We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day. Three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. It is episode 796 of the Pack-A-Day podcast, and we're celebrating our third straight. That's a streak. Victory Monday as the Packers top the New Orleans Saints in New Orleans, 37-30. to The final, I'm Alex Strofe. You can connect with me on Twitter at Alex underscore Strofe. And joining me on this Victory Monday is none other than the creator, the founder of this Pack-A-Day podcast, the legend himself at Andy Herman NFL. Andy, my brother, you feeling good? I'm feeling good. Let me let me start by asking you this, Alex. Have the Packers ever lost since you've become a member of the Packaday podcast? Uh, they are a perfect three and zero since I've joined the podcast. So I must be the good luck charm. I guess you can't get rid of me now. I don't want to you know jump to any conclusions. It's still early in the season, but I think that's probably a major factor. <laughs> but to answer your question, I'm doing great. Uh, tough to be too disappointed after you know Packers get a big win in New Orleans, start the season three and zero. You know, going back just really quick, this is. Uh, uh, the part of the season that I thought was potentially going to be the most difficult for the Packers, this opening salvo, uh, you know, against, you know, the Minnesota Vikings, then Detroit at home, I thought would be okay. But Vikings and Saints to open on the road, you got Tampa coming up uh, after the bye week, obviously after the Falcons. But uh, I thought this opening part of the schedule was the tougher part of it. So to start 3-0 and and to have this sort of effect on offense and just have things clicking on that side of the ball to such a degree, it's been really, really fun. So yes, I am jacked up to answer your question. 
Yeah, it seems like there's no hangover from that NFC Championship game a year ago, Andy. They scored over 40 in the first two and 37 last night. So uh, not a bad start to the season. They've scored more points in their first three games uh, the most in Packers history at 122 total. So that is uh, pretty darn sweet for the Green Bay Packers. Again, a 37-30 to victory over New Orleans in prime time on Sunday night football. So Andy, uh, you always give us a good rundown of your gut reactions on Victory Monday. This is no exception. Go ahead. I'll give you the floor. Yeah, I'm going to have, you know, quite a few gut reactions up tomorrow on Packer Report, so make sure to check those out. Uh, But, um, you know, I think the biggest thing is, you know, again, they found a way to win. I go back to an article that I wrote really early in this offseason about the Packers having the biggest advantage of any team in the league uh, with no fans in the stadium. I thought that was completely true again today. Minnesota, in Minnesota, I think Rodgers got the Vikings to jump three or four times, which resulted in first downs and big plays, uh, another big play to MVS in that game. And then, again, you look at it this game in New Orleans. This is a, a situation where Green Bay was going to probably be doing a ton of silent counts, um, not being able to do hard counts and get New Orleans to jump off sides in those situations. I, I said this a couple weeks back. The biggest cheat code going in football right now is Aaron Rodgers' cadence. His ability to get free plays, get free five yards, especially, they usually do it. If you watch, they do it a ton when it's third and uh, five or less so that they have the opportunity to get that automatic first down. And then they also look at it for, you know, when when they're already looking for a shot play, uh, they try to get them, you know, to jump off sides in those situations. And his ability to do that proved huge again today. So that was one of my biggest takeaways. Another one is we saw week one, Devontae Adams fast. Week two, Aaron Jones fast. Week three, Alan Lazard fast. Six catches, 146 yards, and a touchdown, a long of 72. Converted multiple first downs. Also loved how they got the tight ends involved in this game. Rob Tanyan, five for 50 in the game ceiling touchdown on only five targets. Sternberger gets three for 36. No drops, that on three targets. And Mercedes Lewis with the jump ball catch for the touchdown too. So uh, I, I just loved how this offense has been able to put everything together. Um, they've been able to focus uh, you know, different players or feature different players in each of those weeks. And again, I think Matt LaFleur deserves a ton of credit for the flow that this offense has been able to put together. And he made no bones about it. One of the things that he went to work on in this offseason was wanting to create more explosive plays. He knew they had to get better in that regard. You could tell he wanted more cohesiveness on offense. This team is putting up drive after drive after drive. I mean, J.K. Scott might be the least utilized player in football right now. One punt for 38 yards today uh, and it's just it's it's so fun to watch an offense with Aaron Rodgers being the maestro behind center yeah it's it's been a blast through three weeks Andy this offense as you mentioned and that was that was really my big takeaway too is the, the different rotations and the different guys that they utilize in this offense from week to week you, you mentioned the first week it was Adams second week it was Jones this week it was Lazard and with Adams out your top target on offense the way you utilize the tight end position your third round pick and Josiah DeGuara uh, not healthy right now so to see the other three guys get utilized at least minimally uh, it, it was really good to see them mix that up this LaFleur offense in year two looks even more mature than it was in, in the late parts of last season so this is just such a brilliant jump to me uh, from year one to year two for head coach Matt LaFleur. Really, really happy with where this offense is at. And uh, the defense, still kind of a question mark, I'd say, uh, overall, Andy. I imagine you'd agree on that. What was your big takeaway 
uh, on the defense. I know we'll jump into this a bit more later, but just your gut reaction a couple minutes removed. Yeah, I mean, first of all, you know, nice game by Kingsley Kiki, at least at first glance, getting those couple sacks. It's a nice performance by him. Ty Summers, certainly some up and downs coming in for Christian Kirksey. Uh, you know, hopefully Kirksey and Rashawn Gary aren't too banged up coming out of this game. But, you know, Ty Summers, the, the, the big missed tackle on the play to Kamara that I'm sure we're going to talk about in just a little bit. But uh, I thought he had some ups and downs. It's not an easy position to be put in kind of across from Drew Brees having to kind of call out the defensive plays and, and really get his first real playing time on defense. He, he really, If I remember correctly, I don't think he took a snap on defense last year. He played a lot of special teams, but I don't think he got a single snap on defense uh so to you know be all of a sudden put in that type of situation uh that's a big moment for him um again i i don't know that he's going to grade out super well but i i still think overall you have to go in there and you have to respond and while there were some downs he had a couple nice tackles as well and overall the my overarching gut takeaway from this defense is something still feels broken something still feels wrong and it's been interesting they've come up with the big plays kind of when they've needed to and you know kind of going into the final portion not necessarily fourth quarter in this game but you know you're you're looking at at some point in the fourth quarter in all three of these games I believe I'm correct in saying this but I believe they've had double digit leads in the fourth quarter in every single game this year so your defense is still in some capacity keeping you in games but it just feels like a lot of that is is more due to the offense than what the defense is actually putting out in the field I I thought there were more positive takeaways even in in maybe somewhat disappointing performance or performances over the first couple weeks than there were from this game it just felt like Green Bay had no specific answer on defense whether that be the the Saints running the ball which thankfully they kind of got away from I mean Kamara had six carries for 58 yards Murray had 12 for 58 yards both of those are good averages they weren't stopping anyone rushing the ball uh, but Sean Payton, as he's kind of known to do, kind of gets a little pass happy at times. Later in the game, it made sense because they were down double digits. But um, I, I, again, I, I can't say that I feel super great about this defense after three weeks. Yeah, I, I don't either. I think that's spot on. We'll get to Alvin Kamara's uh, performance here in a little bit. But Drew Brees, still really fun to watch, Andy. I, I got to be honest, although he's not maybe what he once was. 29 of 36, 288 and three touchdowns. For Drew Brees against the Packers defense, his poise is just so admirable. It's 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 really fun to watch, and that was a big takeaway for me. But uh, we'll get we'll get to the uh, the disappointing defensive performance more in a little bit. But let's let's go on happier notes first, Andy. Let's start with our player of the games. I'll, I'll let you lead off with that one. Yeah, you know, I could go a couple different directions. I think Alan Lazard would certainly be deserving of this with six for 146 and a touchdown. Uh, but I could also make an argument that uh, Rodgers placed a couple of those balls absolutely perfect for Lazard. He also had a drop um, at one point in the game. So uh, this may be cliche, and I, I try not to do this too much, but I have to go Aaron Rodgers in this one. And again, I think after, you know, really Adams in that first game, Jones in that second game, I know Lazard put up the big numbers here, but th- this is now three straight really great performances by Aaron Rodgers and it's not just the the 21 of 32 for 283 three touchdowns and no picks but he does such a tremendous job pre-snap they kind of uh mentioned this in the game a little bit today but Aaron Aaron is doing so much pre-snap on some of these jet motion and read plays where you know he has options of whether he hands it off inside or kind of goes with the pitch to the outside he also has kind of run pass options on a lot of those plays so he's making a ton of reads uh, that kind of go unnoticed at times, and he's making a, a lot of really good decisions on plays that maybe just look like a simple handoff. There's a lot more that goes into those. Mm-hmm. And, he, you know, him and Matt LaFleur last year, 
you could tell this was some sort of Frankenstein offense between what Aaron liked to do under Mike McCarthy forever, really, and then what Matt LaFleur really wanted to accomplish. And this year you are seeing Aaron has bought in unequivocally with Matt LaFleur, and those two are just on the same page at so many times. Even even at the end of the game where they were going to challenge the play with, with Aaron Jones, those two communicating back and forth, basically saying, hey, let's wait till the clock runs all the way down just in case the challenge fails. Like, just those sorts of things. They are so on the same page. LaFleur trusts Rodgers so much. I think Rodgers trusts LaFleur uh, more than he did at any point last year. So I, I'm going to go Rodgers again. I hate to be cliche and just say the quarterback gets the, the player of the game. But in this game, I think he was certainly deserving, and especially in a game where this was billed as Breeze versus Rodgers and all the hoopla that kind of went into it. Yeah, that's that's well said. Although your analysis is underwhelming, Andy. I'm kidding, of course. Uh, talk <laughs> about hashtag friend goals, right? LaFleur and Rodgers, and you mentioned it, when, when that two-minute warning is creeping up on you and you have this uh, inevitable challenge that LaFleur is going to take, and you hear Aaron with about, I don't know, three or two seconds on the play clock, and we're at about 2.04 on the game clock, yell, Matt, now. That was the highlight of the game for me, truthfully, Andy, and I think that I'm glad you brought that up because that was a very, very just, uh, you know, something you don't see every day for, from franchise quarterbacks and their second-year head coaches. So that relationship has been everything, as Aaron described it a few weeks ago, is hashtag friend goals. But, yeah, I, I'm not going to go the route of Lazard either, although I think he's probably the right decision. Um, I want to talk about Bobby Biceps, baby. Robert Tanyan. <laughs> Getting in the end zone for a second straight week, Andy. Five catches for 50 yards, as you mentioned earlier. Uh, the tight end usage on this offense has obviously evolved now in a year or two of the LaFlorian era, but it's been really cool to see how Robert Tanyan and even Jay Sternberger in kind of a redemption game for him got involved in this offense. But it was good to see Robert Tanyan get in the end zone for a second straight week. And, you know, it might have happened last season, but I don't remember the last time we had a, we had a tight end get in the end zone uh, twice in a row. Maybe it's happened recently, but I don't remember it. So Robert Tanyan uh, sticks out to me. He clearly is becoming the number one tight end or is the number one tight end now. And uh, his involvement the last two weeks has been incredibly impressive to me. And to see him get in the end zone again, again, was a, was a big one for me. Uh, what did you see out of Tanyan? I, I'd be curious to hear your input on where he's at through three weeks. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought him up because uh, I was really impressed by his play a week ago. Uh, week one, I thought he struggled. I, I, he was one of only two players that graded in the negative for me in week one. And then week two, I thought he was fantastic. And not only just as a pass, you know, pass catcher, but, uh, you know, I thought he was really active in the running game. If you go back and watch Aaron Jones, uh, not only was the offensive line great, but the tight ends, Mercedes Lewis, Robert Tanyan blocked really well for Aaron Jones in that game, which isn't super surprising when you have a day like that as a running back. You know, you're getting help from all levels, including the wide receivers, tight ends, and offensive linemen. But I thought Tanyan was a big part of that. And I thought his routes were just much more crisp a week ago. And especially, you know, that touchdown right before halftime, uh, where he ran the, the stick route against uh, Detroit, um, you know, right at the, the top of the, or right in the end zone. That was a huge play in that game. So I thought last week was kind of a, a breakout performance for him. But, you know, going back to the old Mike McCarthyism, you know, you have to stack success. You have to do that week in and week out. You can't have a bad week, then a good week, then a bad week, then a good week. That's just the, the worst thing that you can have as a coach 
is an inconsistent player. You yeah. know, you would almost rather have a player that you know is going to be slightly below average, but you know what to expect out of them than a guy that might give you an A or an F and you just don't know what the hell you're going to get in any given game. So uh, the fact that he was able to put back-to-back weeks together, the game ceiling touchdown this week, uh, had a couple other nice receptions. You know, again, I, I don't mean to, to bang the same, same drum here, but give Matt LaFleur a ton of credit too. How many of those catches by Tonian and Sternberger were just easy catches in the flat? I think Lazard had one too where there's nobody, you know, it's just off of play action. There's nobody within four yards of those guys, and it's just an easy catch and run. Um, when when people talk about, you know, scheming players open and creating offense, I've, I've always said, I want to see, if you have a good offensive coordinator or a good play caller, uh, in this case, Matt LaFleur is the head coach, you better be able to create just on your own, on your play design in and of itself. You better able to, you know, be able to create about four to five at minimum, you know, just easy throws for your quarterback per game, minimum. And I think there were times at the end of the Mike McCarthy era and regime, you didn't see those. Everything was contested. Everything was difficult. And now we're seeing Matt LaFleur, that creativity, the bunches to the, you know, one side of the offense, all of the motion, uh, the, the, you know, they did a great job today with Chris Collinsworth, uh, uh, you know, basically demonstrating how the the the, um, the sweet play to the left or the stretch play to the left, I should say, and the play action coming back to the right look the exact same. You know, you yeah. can't tell which one is which until the play is basically, you know, until you realize it's a pass. But uh, I, I just think you've seen a lot more out of that from Matt LaFleur in this offense. And, and credit to Bob Tanyan and, and what he's done. But, I, again, I have to give credit to Matt LaFleur there, too. Yeah, and, you know, you reap the benefit of this offense evolving the way it has, and really this year just taking a step more so in the right direction. We mentioned just all the points they've scored the first three weeks has really paid off. Before we move over from the offensive performance, we do have to get uh, to Alan Lazard because, as you mentioned, Andy, the dude was ridiculous, probably most deserving of player of the game. Again, six catches, 146, and a touchdown for Lazard. And you know what, Andy? He stepped up in Devontae Adams' absence. That's really all you can ask for out of your WR2, right? A million percent. And, you know, I, on my on the podcast on YouTube earlier this week, I just I basically said I took like 30 seconds to say, Alan Lazard's one of my favorite players to watch on tape. It's just because yeah. the effort is consistently there. He's doing the right things. His routes are better than you expect. He does a really great job of uncovering after the catch. We know what he's capable of as a run blocker. And this may not seem like, you know, something that's too crazy, but, um, and again, I don't want to get too much in the minutia of, of my grades here and explaining exactly what it means because nobody wants to listen to that, but... Um, <laughs> Devontae Adams ended up with a plus 9.60 grade over 795 snaps last year. Alan Lazard was a plus 5.25 over 555 snaps, which is basically .012 per play for Adams and .009 or basically .01 for uh, Alan Lazard. They were not that different on a per play basis going back to a season ago. Now, Adams was banged up. We know that when he came back, it took him some time to get back to 100%. But the difference last year in my grades, and uh, to be fair, a lot of that was because Lazard was a much better run blocker than Devontae Adams. Adams, and he definitely gained some points on Adams when it came to run blocking, but just the overall effort that Lazard gives, and now he's you know carried that over into year two. Uh, another, and again, I don't, I don't mean to pimp my articles for you know 45 minutes here today, but another one of the articles that I wrote on Packer Report earlier this summer is that I sincerely did not believe 
that Alan Lazard was going to take the Geronimo Allison slash Jarrett Boykin route of undrafted wide receivers who had a year of, you know, solid football and then just fell off the face of the earth. There's just way too much good tape of Alan Lazard for the last year plus. And we're seeing that now, even when he's called upon to need, you know, needing to be the number one guy. I mean, he he came up huge. I mean, six for 146 and a touchdown with a 72 yarder, adding some good run blocks in there. I mean, that is a very impressive day for a for an undrafted free agent uh, who's, you know, only played a little over a year. Cause I think it was not even, cause I think it was what week, like five or six last yeah. year that he got in uh, against Detroit. And that was his first game. Um, and now we're in week three of this year. So he hasn't even really played a full 16 game season yet, which is ridiculous. So kudos, kudos to, to, you know, Alan Lazard and what he's done so far. Yeah. He's been ridiculous uh, since he came up mid last year. You're absolutely right, Andy. So uh, he's been a lot of fun and what a day for him. Uh, against New Orleans in that victory. All right, let's get to uh, more somber notes as we flip to the defense now. And Alvin Kamara just had an absolute career day, 197 all-purpose yards as well as two receiving touchdowns for Alvin Kamara on a new, uh, on a fresh deal for New Orleans. And he looked fresh uh, on Sunday night, and the Packers really had no answer for him, Andy. He had that ridiculous touchdown uh, where I think it was five or six mixed, missed tackles. I tweeted something like uh, the book How to Tackle for Dummies will never be written by anybody associated with the Packers because that was the most pathetic, and I think you tweeted something along the lines of this too, the most pathetic defensive performance on that play that I've ever seen. It really was, and it's frustrating because I think – I think you can live with Alvin Kamara's performance had it not been for the two big plays. And I, yeah. what what Mike and I, that's easier said than done. Of course, you can't take away. You know, the Saints could have easily lived without you know the the Packers' performance if it weren't for Lazard's two big plays. You know, you, you can easily <laughs> say some of those things, right? But that's what's frustrating is that's that should have been a two or three yard loss on that specific play if Will Redmond just makes that initial tackle. Even if he doesn't, it should have been what a five or ten yard play if the next guy makes the tackle. So. That's what's so frustrating is, listen, I'm not a huge fan. I'll just say I'm not a huge fan of, you know, the Mike Pettin overall scheme and, and what he's trying to accomplish on defense. So Ben Fennell spoke to this last week on, on the podcast with I, with my, him and myself last week, and I get it and I understand it, and he did a lot of it last year too. It's, it's basically a bend but don't break philosophy. We talked a, a ton about it last year as this bend but don't break, you know, Packers defense. The, he's daring you to run the football. He's going to make you try to go 80 yards in 15 or 16 plays. And he's hoping that you're going to screw something up along the course of the way, either via a turnover, a penalty, a missed field goal, whatever the case may be. They're just trying to keep you out of the end zone. And more importantly, they're trying to limit big plays. So, I don't really agree with that philosophy because in some way, shape, or form, I want him to be a little bit more aggressive. And in some way, shape, or form, I think if you start having opposing offenses put together these you know, 15, 16 play drives, that's a ton of time without Aaron Rodgers on the field. So I'm not in total agreement with the overall philosophy, but I do, I do get what he's trying to accomplish. Yeah. But that being said, if you're going to do that, you have to make sure 
that you have sure tacklers on the field and you have to make sure that you're not giving up those explosive plays. And we've seen in every game now that there has been some level of an explosive play. Last week, Adrian Peterson had the big run that he busted to the outside because Green Bay and Zedaria Smith lost contain on that play. They lost contain early on a couple of Alvin Kamara runs, including the 49-yarder. Um, and then, of course, the 52-yarder that shouldn't have gone, uh, you know, for anything that, you know, was just basically due to shoddy tackling. So that that's what's frustrating is if you're going to play that philosophy, then you've got to make sure you limit those big plays and you've got to make sure that you have sure tacklers on the field. And, and that just didn't happen today. And that's why you see New Orleans put up 30 points. Yeah, that's that's spot on, Andy. And, you know, it, just the, the fall apart of that play to go back to, to what I brought up. I mean, that one play by, uh, excuse me, Kamara, the two really. I mean, he had two big plays, but that one for a touchdown was just heartbreaking. It's just like, oh, here we go again with a defense that can't keep up with our offense. But we, we can't get too dramatic yet. It's still 37-30 to 30 win. The Packers look terrific, and uh, but the defense definitely has to pick it up. It seems like Mike Pettin... Uh, you know, he wavers. His, his defenses waver. They seem to come and go. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm reading through some of the uh, the tweets we got uh, as I, you know, I, I threw out everybody's thoughts. And a lot of them happen to be around Mike Pettin's schemes, as you just brought up. So uh, you seem to be with the majority there, Andy, overall uh, on the uh, Mike Pettin side of things. But a win's well, a win. Yeah, you know, go ahead. I want to talk to you a little bit more about just Kamara for a second because the other frustrating thing in this game is – Alex, you knew that Elvin Kamara was 1A on the list of players to stop this week. Yes. It was my 1A. It was everyone's 1A. Every beat writer, every reporter, every fan, every analysis, analyst, excuse me, every single person would say, you know what, just make sure that Elvin Kamara doesn't beat you. You're going to be okay. We, everyone's been talking about Drew Brees not pushing the ball downfield. Michael Thomas is out. And then, you know, even mid-game this game, their other weapon, you know, Jared Cook, goes out midway in this game. You just cannot let Alvin Kamara beat you. He had half of their yardage. He had 197 of their 397 yards, so basically 200 of their 400 yards. And, and lo- let's look through these stat lines. Would you care that you gave up 12 carries to 58 yards to Latavius Murray? No. I'm not complaining, no. Would, would you care that Taysom Hill had two carries for six yards and a fumble? Nope. No. Would you care that Emmanuel Sanders had four for 56 and a touchdown? No. Uh, Traquan Smith, four for 42. Jared Cook, two for 21. Troutman, two for 17. You know, uh, again, it just goes on and on and on. The one player that you let beat you, they didn't win, obviously, but you let that let beat you on defense in this game was the one player that everyone knew you had to have a plan for, and it didn't seem like they had a plan for him, which is, again, super, super frustrating. Yeah, very frustrating, and it's it's also a compliment to the talent of Alvin Kamara. I mean, New sure. Orleans, without their top receiver, Alvin Kamara had nine more receptions than Emmanuel Sanders, who had the, and Traquan Smith, who had the second most receptions of four. Alvin Kamara had 13 receptions in this game. Alan Lazard, for reference, led the way for Green Bay with less than half of that, with six receptions. So it's ridiculous to see how he just went bananas the way he did all over the field. And you're, and you're right, Andy. It looked like the Packers' defense didn't have a clear answer for how to scheme against the guy when, you know, New Orleans mainly has two big threats on the offensive side of the ball. They were without one of them today in Michael Thomas. So it was absolutely frustrating when you don't have 
uh, an answer for a guy like Kamara. And obviously, you look down the road on the Packers' schedule, you're going to see some very talented running backs, beginning with Todd Gurley uh, on Monday against the Falcons. Uh, of course, you have Leonard Fournette uh, with the Buccaneers. You have uh, David Johnson, who obviously a great pass catcher with Houston later in October. And of course, as we get down the stretch of later in the year, you get guys like Derrick Henry uh, with the Titans and Christian McCaffrey, assuming he's 100% in late December for the Panthers. So uh, you're going to see good tight ends in the NFC, Andy, and today you saw one of the better ones, and uh, you can't let that happen. Although you still win the game, you walk away with the W, and, and you're unscathed at 3-0. and Still frustrating to see Kamara do the things he did against the Packers defense, who, as you said, looked clueless uh, when it came to defending Alvin Kamara, but a bright side on the defensive side of things, Andy. Drew Brees was sacked twice, and both times it was Kings Kiki getting there uh, of all of all defenders. It was good to see him step up, obviously, in Kenny Clark's absence and get to the quarterback twice. Yeah, you want to see you know those players start to take a, a second year jump, and Kingsley Kiki started to show that um, he's still not a finished product as a run defender. He's not a finished product as a pass rusher either. But you want to start seeing those flashes, and I thought we started seeing that today. And this is a really talented New Orleans Saints offensive line, and I thought for him to get a couple of those sacks early in the game, give credit on the one to Rashawn Gary. He basically ate two blockers um, on a on a stunt. So give some credit to Rashawn Gary there. But uh, you want you, you want to start seeing that, and he was. A player that started flashing last week. I highlighted a couple of those plays, and uh, I just think that this is a player that's starting to come into his own. And I tweeted out today. I, I think he's already become the second best uh, defensive lineman on this roster. Now, that's uh, I'm not sure how much of a an award that that is um, on a defense with you know Tyler Lancaster and Dean Lowry and Montrevious Adams and Billy Wynn. But uh, you know, outside of Kenny Clark. You know, at least Kingsley Kiki is showing that he can show up and make a couple plays. If he can become a better run defender, that would be a huge win. But you start seeing him take those couple steps as a pass rusher, and I think that run defense is going to continue to grow with time. Yeah, it needs time. Uh, obviously, we've got bold takes only through three games now, and with the absence of Kenny Clark recently, uh, you haven't known what to expect from that defensive line. And, then, and although Alvin Kamara was able to get some yardage today through that defensive line, uh, Kingsley Kiki still was able to step up in Clark's absence. And again, as Andy said, it takes time and some development because it is young. But the two Packers positions that have been circled on everybody's roster depth chart the last uh, year or so has been defensive line and wide receiver. But it's good to see a guy like Kingsley Kiki getting in there, Andy, uh, for the Packers win on Sunday. But another defensive play, which was one we pretty much agreed on, Andy, as the play of the game um, on Sunday, is really that momentum swing with about 12 minutes left in the fourth quarter, tie ball game, and Zadarius Smith not only forces a fumble of Taysom Hill, who was all over Packers Twitter the last seven days, and uh, didn't seem like he deserved to, because his big play was a fumble, a strip from... Zadarius Smith, he ends up recovering it, and the Packers go down and and score and end up winning this ball game. So what a momentum swing there with about 12 minutes left in the fourth quarter. Uh, Zadarius Smith coming through there, Andy. Yeah, and that's what you want your leaders to do. And, you know, Z's the captain on defense. I don't think he's had quite the impact that he had a season ago, although he's come up with at least one big play in every single game, and it's still very early on the season. And if you remember back, Z didn't really start getting into his rhythm until about halfway through the season last year, which is when he took off and played at an entirely different level. So, you know, he's still kind of getting in the swing of things, and he's still making an impact. And I thought this, again, was just one of those uh, one of those plays that was a, an absolutely game-changing play. And if you remember, too, this was 
was right after Green Bay got stuffed on fourth and one tie game. Saints had all the momentum, if I'm remembering correctly. And then, you know, Taysom Hill gets the ball, you know, uh, knifes into the backfield, makes the big play, recovers the fumble. And and that's exactly what you want to see. Even in, in a game where your defense is getting beat up, you want to be able to go out and make a play when your team may, you know, needs it most. And and there literally was not a, a better time in that game for the defense to come away with a big play than at that very moment. And as much as we can kind of, um, you know, criticize what the Packers put on defense, at some point it's about making big plays. It's clutch defense, right? It's clutch right. football. And 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 the Packers came up with the the most clutch play at the time when they needed it most. That's exactly what Zadarius did. And just going back to Taysom Hill for one second, I know it was an oft talked about topic this week for whatever reason, uh, but you know. I think this, I, I really enjoy Taysom Hill as a player, and he brings so much versatility. If you haven't had a chance, go listen to the, the YouTube episode I did on him. But this is this is why, as a coach, and so many coaches are hesitant to do something like this because you just took Drew Brees you know, out of the play, put Taysom Hill in, and, and in a way he kind of cost you the game, and, and, it, and Drew Brees didn't even have a chance to put his hands on the football on that play. Alvin Kamara didn't have a chance to put his hands in the football in this, you know, that play. You're putting the ball in the hands of, of Taysom Hill. He, he, you know, turns it over and you as the coach kind of look like an idiot for putting him in that, you know, having him in that situation with, with kind of the game on the line there. So, you know, Breeze, when, when Breeze is 29 of 36 for 288 and three touchdowns, I know he wasn't, you know, that full stat line at the time, but he, he was showing no sli- signs of slowing down. The Saints, you know, offense was doing anything that they wanted to to the Packers defense. And you kind of went in and you ran a gadget play with Taysom Hill, and it cost you the game. So I love creativity. I love what they do and the flexibility that Taysom Hill provides you. But uh, you kind of have to be smart about the time in your play, in place when you're kind of running some of that stuff. Yeah, it, it, they tried to pull a trick out of the sleeve that really, I well, obviously didn't pay off there as Z was all over it. But Taysom Hill, entertaining as hell. There's no doubt about it, Andy, and he's a really special player for New Orleans. Sean Payton's been able to plug him in really solid situations. We saw him in a, in a couple nice plays against the Packers before that crucial fourth quarter fumble. But you're right, it's it's a play where... I don't know if he's the guy you want under center uh, when you've got a Hall of Famer and Drew Brees also uh, waiting there, and he had to come off of the field even to allow Taysom Hill to fumble the ball. So, uh, nonetheless, that's that's how it goes. Uh, but Taysom Hill definitely entertaining, uh, but definitely a crucial mistake against Green Bay on Sunday. Uh, big injury. We mentioned it earlier, Andy. Christian Kirksey leaves the game and ruled out eventually with a shoulder injury. That front seven's already hurting. And Kirksey was off to a nice start. This isn't uh, ideal, but do you have any updates only a couple hours removed from this and any thoughts on that? No, no updates yet. I haven't heard anything on, you know, a prognosis. We probably won't hear until later this week. Um, I will say, though, that, you know, my initial instinct was, is you know what, I think they're going to be okay. It's not like Kirksey had been great over the first couple weeks of the season. He had a couple nice plays here and there, got burnt on a couple plays uh, plays here and there, but I, I thought they'd be okay. Um, I was a little bit surprised that that Ty Summers was immediate, immediately the guy that that kind of got the green helmet and, and, yeah. and got all the playing time. You know, you got Chris Barnes who's been playing quite a bit. Oren Burks has been there, uh, but it was immediately Ty Summers, and he kind of took that role over. As I mentioned earlier, kind of some ups and downs, but um, I, I do think that they lost a lot, not only in leadership, but the ability to kind of get into some checks and kind of make some changes on defense on the fly when they needed to. Um, I thought some of those missed tackles. I don't think Christian Kirksey is missing some of those tackles. So uh, I think it impacted them more than I kind of expected it to. Um, and, you know, he's definitely a player that you're going to want 
back hopefully sooner rather than later. And then the other injury too was Rashawn Gary. He kind of limped away off after one play, you know, came back in the game for a few snaps after that, but uh, didn't play much if at all in the second half. Jonathan Garvin got a bunch of playing time and uh, just wasn't the same. So, you know, hopefully very similarly, uh, Rashawn Gary's able to get back sooner rather than later, but you, you do have to wonder if any of these players are close next week, including Kenny Clark, Devontae Adams, the bye is just one more week away. You've got Atlanta coming in, which we'll discuss in a second. You got to wonder, you just got to think that they're going to proceed with an abundance of caution on anyone who has a nick or bruise uh, with Atlanta coming into Green Bay, probably feeling like you might be able to get away with one even without your full complement of players. And then, uh, you know, give them, give everyone an extra week with the bye week and you know, hopefully be healthy against Tampa Bay. Yeah, you don't pull the Giants before the bye week, which might be the ideal team because a, a JV 49er squad uh, railed them on Sunday. But, uh, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see uh, how Green Bay can, can move forward, hopefully both of those guys, because we mentioned that front seven is hurting. And the injury of Gary, which it looks like it's it's not horrible news, given that, as Andy mentioned, he came back in. Um, but it'll be it'll it'll be something to keep an eye on this week as more information becomes available because as you mentioned Andy you know Kirksey hasn't been a superstar by any means filling in in that middle linebacker role but he he's been solid enough he's been competent if you will and definitely uh, somebody you want healthy no matter what so it'll be uh, it'll be something to keep an eye on this week but you mentioned it Andy Atlanta comes to Green Bay. Next week, we figured out through three weeks that the key to beating Atlanta is to be down by, you know, two or three possessions going into the fourth <laughs> quarter, and you'll probably win that game. The Packers are one of three 3-0 three teams in the NFC. One is Seattle, one is Green Bay, and the other is Chicago, who was down 26-10 to and benched their starting quarterback to go on to beat Atlanta on the road 30-26 to on Sunday. So, uh, you know, Atlanta is a, is a questionable, questionable team. They've got a high-power offense, by all means. They were without Julio Jones on Sunday. Uh, but Calvin Ridley, Matt Ryan, Todd Gurley, still a solid offense, not a good defense, and an 0-3 team. So should be, uh, as you said, it should be one that the Packers are pretty confident, you know, six days out. Yeah, I think so, but you, you bring up a great point. If they have their full complement of receivers, you know, Calvin Ridley, Todd Gurley, Julio Jones, if he plays next week, Russell Gage has been really good. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Hunter Hurst, was it? Uh, Hunter Hurst, excuse me. Um, you know, he's had a, a really nice run picking him up from uh, Hayden Hurst. Hayden Hurst, that's it. Yes, I, 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 yeah, no, you got it. Didn't sound right. I was thinking of Hunter <laughs> Bryant and Hayden Hurst, and I was combining the two. But uh, Hayden Hurst, uh, who they get over from Baltimore, uh, they, they have a full complement of, of weapons on offense for Matt Ryan, and that, that has the ability to be a very high-powered offense. And, you know, we've seen some of the issues that Green Bay's had on defense. So it's not like you can just hand Green Bay the, this victory by any means. I think this is going to be a, a major game where the defense is going to have to step up more than they have uh, over the course of the last couple weeks. So uh, it's, it's just one of those kind of trap games right before a bye. You don't, you just beat New Orleans. You're probably, you know, I've got a half of an eye on Tom Brady and the Buccaneers and probably another half of the eye on the bye week uh, coming up where you get a week off after that. So it, 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 you know, I hate to say the word trap game, but it feels a little bit like a trap game. Meanwhile, the Falcons just lost, you know, two beyond heartbreaking games. 
But it should also be noted they they sh- they should at least be two and one at this point and and are probably much better than their zero and three record shows. So you don't want to take this team for granted. You want to jump out early in Lambo, get out to a lead. Even though I you know half heartedly joked about letting Atlanta get the big lead so you can you know let them fall apart from there. But uh, I can't believe. Yeah, I'm honestly shocked that they haven't hired or fired uh, their head coach yet. Um, but after two collapses like this, I thought they should have fired him, you know, at the end of last season. And I'll, I'll put the uh, I'll put the note out there that I don't like playing. Hey, let's fire people because these are real people with real jobs and real families and everything like that. So I, I'm never rooting for anyone to get fired. I, I hope Dan Quinn can just turn it around and, and be better. But we also know what the NFL is, and uh, it's not for long. And you, if you're not performing, you, you know, ultimately everyone's going to get fired from the league at some point. Unless you retire, you're probably going to get fired at some point. So, uh, you know, I just am surprised that Dan Quinn with the the meltdowns by the team the last couple of weeks is still employed, and we'll see if that maintains the case through the course of this week. But you, you just got to feel like, for him, uh, that's a must-win. For the Falcons, it's a must-win, so you, you can't take it for granted. Andy, I've got a gut feeling that Dan Quinn might not even be the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons by the time the Falcons are in Lambeau Field. I, I, I think that his job might already be done with after those back-to-back collapses. But, um, again, I mean, obviously you don't want to see anybody fi- fired, but the writing's kind of been on the wall, it feels, with Dan Quinn in Atlanta. So we'll see what happens there. But uh, as of now, he's the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. They're next on the Packers' schedule. The Packers are three and zero through three weeks. You got to be feeling pretty good on a victory Monday. That's Andy Herman at Andy Herman NFL. I'm Alex Strofe at Alex underscore Strofe on Twitter. You can find us at Packaday Podcast as well on Twitter. Andy, uh, appreciate the time, my friend. It was a fun one, a fun day of football, and another great Packers win. It absolutely was. Thanks so much for joining me today, Alex. Uh, shout out to Perry Goldstein. Uh, she was going to join us, but she wasn't feeling well. So hopefully she's feeling a little bit better and uh, well, she'll join us in a couple weeks. Uh, make sure to, if you haven't yet, check out the Packaday podcast on YouTube. I do about a five to 10 minute snippet every single day on what's going on in my head uh, for, for the Green Bay Packers. So uh, if you haven't yet, make sure to check that out and please uh, go out there and subscribe as well. Yeah, you get the double dosage of Andy on Mondays, so make sure you go consume that, especially on a victory Monday. Andy seems to be a little bit happier on those days. <laughs> uh, but, Andy, always a pleasure, my friend. And, yes, we'll see Perry soon. We'll see the rest of you very soon. Enjoy the rest of your victory Monday. And thanks for listening to Packaday Podcast, episode number 796. Peace! <laughs>
Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.